uh, tonight. We're blessed. We have a missionary uh, pastor and brother Jason Jordan. Uh, he's from a church that's part of the just kind of the the, the DNA group of our churches down in Mount Orb, uh, Ohio. Uh, the church I grew up in was kind of out of that church. It's kind of a grandmother church, if you would, from the Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington. And uh, uh, he has been ministering there for a lot of years. His his father is now, or father-in-law is now, the pastor of that church, Ted House. And uh, Brother Jordan got saved and uh, was around the age of 15 was baptized at the Bible Baptist Church there in Mount Orb, and has uh, got married to his wife uh, Sarah in 2007. They have three children uh, together, and then also they felt God calling them to go uh, to minister in Cuba, which is uh, really a powerful opportunity. He's going to be sharing about that tonight, and it's something I'm excited for our church to be able to get behind. Very unique uh, opportunity to be able to bring the gospel. They're seeing incredible fruit in Cuba, and uh, going to learn a little bit about that. And so at this time, uh, we have a special song. Uh, Sarah's going to come ahead and sing for us. Uh, she is a music teacher down in uh, Western Brown, and her dad has led music there for many years at Mount Orb, but now he's the pastor, so he gets to turn that responsibility over. And so uh, make Sarah feel welcome as she comes to sing. And uh, then after that, they're going to come and present their ministry. So thank you. die and then he died to save us he rose again in victory and proved his sovereignty and we can see his heart in the many things he left us as his story unfolds for all to see his silver went to Judas, his body went to Joseph, his mother to apostles that would take good care of her, his clothes to a soldier, and his peace to disciples, his supper to his followers, and the gospel to the world no earthly possessions that anyone would hope for no worthy estate that one would seek to gain but the precious things he had would change history forever and what he left would change my life today. His silver went to Judas, his body went to Joseph, his mother to apostles that would take good care of her, his clothes to a soldier, and his peace to disciples his supper to his followers and the gospel to the world 
Good evening. It's good to be at Lighthouse Baptist Church, and I am so thankful after the weather that we've had over the last week that God calls people to tropical nations. I am so thankful for humidity. I'm thankful for heat. I'm thankful for the equator. You know, at first I thought, what are we getting into? But after you come back to Southern Ohio, and we're from Southern Ohio, we were born and raised in the Mount Orb area. I'm so thankful that God's calling our family to somewhere tropical. That is, right now, I just talked to one of my friends this afternoon down there, and it's about 80 degrees and sunny right now down there. So I'm just thankful for God's grace, and um, so it's good to be here with you tonight. My name is Jason Jordan, and this is my wife, Sarah. We are um, missionaries to Cuba, and so um, we're not trying to be. We are. We've been doing this for the last four years. And so um, God has used our home church as our sending church, but also our, our home church has just invested in us heavily because they believe that that's what the Lord wants. And so we've been doing just a lot of in-house, kind of testing to see where the Lord was going to lead. And just in 2022, he opened the door for us to go full time. And so we surrendered. Uh, we were there kind of on a survey type trip, just praying if God wanted us to do this and be there full time and give up our jobs um, at Mount Orb and Sarah's teaching career that she's been a teacher for over 15 years. And so we're just praying about, you know, God, is this what you want to do? And so we were on a trip in July 2022, and God just opened the door and um, just confirmed to us uh, we had just tremendous um, outreaches, and we were just praying that God would bless and just give us a green light if this is what he wants to do. I surrendered my life uh, to be a full-time missionary when I was going into the second grade. And so I got saved, actually, when I was um, going in, um, I was five years old. Um, we went to Bible school. My sister came home, began talking about getting saved, and she started talking about hell. And I'm six years old, five years old, and it scared me to death. And so my mom came in, took the Bible, showed me how to get saved. And then when I was going into the second grade, I was at church camp, and there was a preacher up, evangelist. He was preaching. I don't know if you can get away with this today, but I just remember him up preaching uh, to the, these little children at church camp, and he's talking about being an over-the-road truck driver. He was addicted to um, alcohol and cocaine, and he's talking about all this. But what stuck out to me, I thought, you know, if God could use somebody like that, I wonder if he could use somebody like me. And it was there in that week that God spoke to me very clearly and said that you need to surrender your life to full-time ministry and be a full-time missionary. And it's just now um, that God's given us the open door and opened the door in Cuba. And so it's, it's just um, it's a very unique opportunity. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, do you ever see yourself being in Cuba? The answer would have been no. I always knew that I would be working with Spanish-speaking people, but I never 
understood or ever dreamed uh, Cuba. God's given us a very, very unique opportunity, and we just want to take a couple minutes just to kind of share with you. Uh, so our sending agency is Jewish End Time Ministry, and that's um, who we are working through and with. And um, the man that's the president of that organization is a missionary that is our church has supported for 30 years. He's been a missionary for over 43 years. And so his calling is to um, Jewish people. And he's done work in the Soviet Union, Ukraine, different areas like that. The Lord shut that door and opened the door for him to go in 2005 to Cuba. Most people don't understand this or know this, but there's a very large Jewish population in, in uh, Cuba. So he went there trying to reach the Jewish people and was successful. But at the same time, the Spanish ministry began to grow. And the very first trip that they were down there, they just invited some churches to come and partner with them and help. They did all these different outreaches and they were down there for just a very short time. Uh, just about 10 or 12 days, and they had over 900 people accept Jesus Christ there in that very initial time. And so over the years, our organization has personally helped start over seven churches throughout the island, but through those seven churches, they are now giving birth to other churches and house churches, and there's easily over 40, almost 50 churches that have been started from those original seven. And so um, we surrendered our life to go there and work, and that's our plan. And so the Lord's just given us a very, very unique opportunity. And so a lot of people are naturally curious about Cuba. And, um, you know, they want to know what's going on. Because many of you guys know Cuba is very closed to the outside world. And so there's, but just to kind of give you a breakdown really quick, the economic uh, stability of the country is not good. They're absolutely starving to death. There's no food. There's no fuel. They will wait in line for 14, 15, 16 days at a time waiting for fuel. They can't go to work because they don't have the diesel to drive their car. So they will go and park their car in line at the fueling station, not knowing when the delivery truck's coming. And they will wait for 14, 15 days at a time waiting for fuel so that they can go back to work. And while they're waiting there, their family will bring them clean clothes, um, bring them food, all that different stuff. There's no medical supplies. There's nothing like that. So the economic side of the country is very, um, it needs help desperately. But I will say this, that God's given us a very open door for the gospel. They're very passionate. They want to know the gospel. We go down there and the door is open. They're so hospitable. When we walk in, they want to know who we are. They want to know what we're doing there. They don't understand why an American would leave America and come there. They're trying to come here. And so they don't understand. And so we explain to them that we're missionaries. We're here to, um, to preach the gospel. And so when we go down there, it's just a very um, big green light. And so I'm going to have Sarah kind of give a little bit of her testimony really quick. And she has a big women's ministry. Um, you know, she's not the typical wife that just sits at home when we're down there. She's got her own side of ministry where she's reaching with uh, women and young women and families and all that different stuff. And I appreciate her because she's a big help to me. She's probably led as many people to the Lord down there as I have, maybe even more. And so she's a blessing uh, to me and to our ministry. And so I'm going to have her kind of I forgot to introduce the rest of the family, but she can introduce the rest of the family and then talk about what she does while she's down there. 
Yeah, um, I think uh, Pastor Bevins introduced uh, our kids earlier, but we do have three kids. Maddie's 14, Gracie's 12, and Isaiah is 10. And so they're in your children's ministries tonight. We're thankful that you have those on Wednesday nights for the kids. And so I was saved at a young age at Camp Chautauqua. I was saved at age of 13. Um, Like the pastor said, my dad is the pastor of Bible Baptist Church, so that's all I've known growing up. And, um, but once I was saved and baptized in our church, I knew from a very um, early time that I was supposed to be in full-time ministry and that I surrendered to God to be in full-time ministry and marry a man and be by his side no matter what ministry he would go into. I am naturally by trade a musician. I've been singing and playing piano since I was four. And so I am a choral director at our local school and I'm the choral director at our church currently. And so my life has been music. So God called us now to the mission field, and I'm really looking forward to see how I can use my music in the mission field. But currently I'm working with the women there. And so when we go, a typical um, trip these days, have we've only gone for about eight days at a time, and that's how we got into Cuba in the first place, was we heard of a missions trip going to Cuba. And so we went along, and then we went along again, and we went along again, and we fell in love with the people. And so we would be there typically for a week, and we'd have some women's conferences, men's conferences, Bible schools. And we would see in our Bible schools upwards of, you know, five, 600 children coming and cramming into these churches. We'd have to take all the pews out of the church just so the kids could fit in there and sit on the floors. And we saw like 200 kids saved in one uh, vacation Bible school week. Uh, the women's conferences, we invite all the women of the churches and of the community, and there's about 250 to 300 women that will come into the conference, and we just preach the love of God to them and how that God can change their life because their economic situation is terrible, and they have no other hope but except for the hope of Jesus Christ. And we preach that to them and teach that to them, and we, you know, we have anywhere from 50 to 60 women saved in the conferences. The last time I was there, I actually got to minister to the women of the church, and so I did some in-home Bible study. I spoke to the women who were teachers in the church. And then another night I spoke to the women who were the married women of the church. And then last night I got to speak to the young women about their junior high through college age women. And it's just so wonderful how the women of those churches want to see the gospel spread for Jesus Christ and their teaching. Like the Bible says that the older are to teach the younger. And they're doing that in Cuba. And we want to work right alongside them and continue to do that. Um, I was in one of our conference nights, and as soon as I finished speaking to the women, the pastor's wife came up, and she said, you know, hold on, hold on a minute. We need to go to prayer right now. One of the sister churches in another town, a woman just gave birth, and the baby's not breathing. And immediately, all the women where two or three are gathered together got into groups of two or three and just started praying out loud to God. And in 15 minutes, we had confirmation the baby was alive and well from that other church so um, it's just miraculous things happen there and with uh, the amount of people who are hungry for something for hope and we just cannot wait to be there with them and giving them that hope and leading them to Jesus Christ and helping them plant their churches and and helping them disciple their people so um, I just want to share just a couple of things. A lot of people ask, you know, how do we pray for your family? How do we, how do we get involved? Number one is I would encourage you to give. And I'm not talking about necessarily giving to our family. Your church has a reputation of being invested into missionaries. And so I'm asking you, if maybe if you're not already involved and in giving to missions, that you would, first of all, get involved in what your church is already doing. 
And so I was talking with the staff guys right before church, and they said that you guys support somewhere right around 60 missionaries, and that's tremendous. And that's a very good uh, testimony and just a great thing for your church to be involved in. So you're, you're not already um, supporting and doing what your church is involved. I would say start there and then um, just pray for our family. And I'm going to have Sarah give you just a couple ways that you can pray for our family and then... Um, yeah, if you want to stop by our table on your way out, right outside these doors, we have our prayer cards, and that can tell you how to pray for us. You can also find on our prayer cards our Facebook page and our communication if you'd like to uh, get a hold of us. But if you could just pray for us as a family, like we said, we have some major decisions to make about my job and, and how we're going to move forward. And, you know, we're allowed to be in the country for 30 days at a time. Our visa says 30 days is the max. And so we cannot just go and move there and live there. We have to manage a life here and a life there. And so if you would pray for us to, for wisdom in those decisions that we need to make. And then also if you could pray for our children. You know, they're almost teenagers. They are teenagers. This is a big shift for them. So if you would pray for our kids. And, and then also pray for the people in Cuba that we'd see them saved, baptized, and surrendering, surrendering their lives to serve Christ. And so just continue to pray for the ministry down there. I will say this, that we have no doubt that God wants us to do this. He's opening doors for us that um, I was telling your preacher just before the church started. I talk to missionaries all the time that are calling us saying, how are you getting into Cuba? And I'll just tell you right now, it's just because of the Lord. There's no other reason. He's giving us opportunities that other people are trying to get and they're, they're declined. Our visas are a big thing. That's a religious visa that allows us to be able to preach in the street or not in the street, but in churches. And we can go out and invite people to come to church and we can do that without having um, to fear going to prison for 30 years. And so if you do that without your, your religious visa, you'll either go to um, prison for 30 years or more than likely they'll just put you on a plane and tell you to go back to America and don't ever return. So the Lord's given us an opportunity through these visas. And one of the things that we're most excited about right now is that we've always been going in short term because of the economic crisis and all the resources that are, that are needed. But one of the biggest things that's been a challenge to us is housing, that we don't have a place to stay because you have to be there so short term that nobody's going to rent a house to you. Nobody's going to help you in that area. Well, one of the churches that we work in, uh, one of their families just moved um, to America, and they called the pastor of the church there and said, hey, pastor, we're moving. To, would the church be interested in buying our house? Because it's only two blocks from the church. And he said, yes, we would be interested. And at the same time, the Lord was moving us down there and all that type of stuff was falling into place. Well, the church was able to purchase the house for $15,000 and we're working to fix it up. And this is going to open the door for us to be able to go down there and max out our visas and stay for up to 30 days at a time. And so instead of just going back and forth on short trips, the Lord's already beginning to open the door. So I'm just asking that you guys would pray that uh, churches would support us and that we could raise our support. Uh, we're at about 15%. I know a lot of people want to know, you know, what kind of finances. And so right now, for us to, with all the back and forth and maintaining everything, it's going to take us $10,000 a month. And so because we're a family of five and flying so much, that's a big part of it. But we're currently at about 15%. We just started in September. And so we're new to that, but we're continuing our work in Cuba. And so last year we've seen over 2,000 people get saved uh, through the ministry there. 
I don't know how many people were baptized. I think it's in the video that we're getting ready to show. I think it might show us baptizing in one of the services there. So we are focused on evangelism, um, um, baptism, discipling, and we are uh, desiring to start churches. So uh, we appreciate your opportunity to be here tonight. And we're going to go ahead and show our videos, about a four-minute video, and then we'll get into our lesson this evening.
that just gives you a glimpse into what we're trying to accomplish by God's grace. And so um, if you have any questions after the service, we'll be out by our table. We'll be glad. We're trying to squeeze all this information in. There's so much. I need about uh, three weeks to be able to be here with you to share everything. There's just so much. So um, if you guys have any questions, we'll be glad to answer any questions that you might have um, after service out at our table. So I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles this evening. We're going to spend a few minutes in God's Word just um, studying and diving in together as a way here in the middle of the week just to encourage each other and to draw strength from the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to uh, find Philippians chapter number four is where we're going to be. Philippians chapter number four, and here in just a um, moment or two, we'll read. But as you're finding your place and standing, I'm going to ask you just a question. I don't want you to respond back to me. I just want you to think. We know that we should pray for missionaries, but I think the truth is many of us, when it comes to the task, you know, we start to consider praying for missionaries and their needs and all these different things. I think many times we feel inadequate or we feel like, how in the world are we supposed to pray for missionaries? You ever feel like that? Maybe somebody comes to you in the church and says, hey, I've got a burden I need you to pray, for, pray about. Just kind of similar, you know, we might look at that and think, you know, what am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to pray? But you know, when we look at Philippians chapter number four, I believe the Bible gives us an, just a general outline of how we should pray. And I think that when we examine and dig in very deeply, we can see how to pray specifically for missionaries. I believe that every believer should have that desire, should have that burden that they would want to pray for missionaries and pastors and ministries. And so we want to do it, but many times we don't always know how to do it. So my intention is tonight is just to give you three areas really quick on how you can effectively pray for all of the missionaries that you support and how you can pray for our family effectively. So we're going to read just two verses tonight, and then we'll pray and you can uh, find your seat. It says in verse number six, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Father, we come to you in prayer tonight. We want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come. Lord, knowing that as we bow our heads that we're entering into your presence, and Lord, we already can feel and sense your presence tonight in the service. And Lord, I'm asking that you would speak to every one of us. Lord, we're asking for a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would reveal yourself. And Lord, our greatest desire is tonight is that you'd walk among us. Lord, that you'd reveal yourself, that we'd hear your voice. And Lord, that your words on the, these pages would speak to us and that we would be cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. And Lord, we just pray that you be with every person here tonight. And Lord, we love you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's interesting here in verse number six, the very first statement here, it says to be careful for nothing. How many of you are, by nature, you're just cautious people? You don't like to be a risk taker. 
If there's rules, you're a rule follower because rules are made to be followed, right? It's there for our protection. You're not going to step out of the line because you're just naturally cautious. But you know, when you look at that word, um, careful, what he's trying to get us to understand, it comes from the same word as anxious or anxiety. You know, many times that we struggle in our Christian life because we get anxious or have anxiety about things that are maybe out of our control or things that we consider a great task. And he tells us here not to be, uh, he says, uh, be careful for nothing. He says, don't be anxious. Don't get stressed out. And then he goes in and he lays out an outline of how we should pray. He says in verse number six there, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. There's three areas here that we should be concerned with in our prayer life that our prayer life should be focused or centered around. He says by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. I asked somebody one time what the difference was. And... They meant well, but they were like, well, those words, they mean the same thing. Well, my question is, if we believe in the inspired word of God and that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and that we believe that every single word was written by holy men of God as the Holy Spirit moved upon them, he breathed the word of God upon them. My question is, why did he say by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving? Because you know, Sarah's dad, one thing that he always says is that if, they're, if those words are different, they're not the same. They're spelled different. You know, this, he didn't say by prayer, prayer, and prayer. He didn't say by supplication, by supplication, by supplication. He said by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God, uh, unto God. So my thought is, if he used three different words, there's three different things that we should grab a hold of right there. That first one is prayer. That word prayer, it means to make your request known unto God. But let's take this a a step further. This word prayer, it carries the idea of adoration, devotion, and worship. You understand that when we pray, we're not just talking to another relative or a friend or a neighbor, co-worker, something like that. That when we bow our heads in prayer, that we are stepping into the presence of of a holy, righteous, and living God. The book of Jeremiah says that he's, he's the true God. He's the living God, and he's an everlasting king. And it says that at his wrath, the, the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. So when we consider who he is and who we are, that form of prayer, we're making our request known. It almost goes into an attitude of worship to God. Because we understand that he's in absolute control. We understand that he knows everything, that he is our provider, that he is the one that's able to take care of every single thing. And so when we are making our requests made known, we're not just talking to the neighbor and saying, hey, you know, I'm having a tough time this week. You know, I lost my job or the car broke down or this happened or that happened, that we are stepping into the presence of a living, true holy, righteous God who created us, and he's wanting us to bow ourselves and acknowledge who he is and who we are. And so when we consider that, 
really it kind of brings about the question, well, if that's who he is, what should we pray for? You know, my first, my first point or my first thing that you ought to pray for for uh, your, your missionaries is if he's in complete control and he's all-knowing and he's, he's able to control everything, I think that we need to pray for God's wisdom. I, we live in a very foolish world, and we operate in a very foolish economy and society. We can see that very quickly. As soon as we turn on the television and watch the news for about 30 seconds, we can see that we live in a very foolish world. Would somebody say amen? We know that what our leadership is supposed to be and how they're supposed to be acting is not what the Bible says that we should be acting and living about. But we also know that the Bible warns us that these days are going to come. And so we should be praying for our missionaries and pastors and all the people in ministry. We should be praying that they would be able to walk in God's wisdom. You see, I would like to go down to Cuba in my own knowledge and my own wisdom, but I wouldn't last about 20 seconds. You know, there are so many things that we are faced with. I spoke of, you know, the, the economic crisis that they're in. Fuel is a big thing because they operate, they have to have fuel to drive and all those different things. And so we are presented with challenges all the time. And it's like, what in the world am I supposed to do? I remember, I think it was last year, we were down there at one time and um, we got a call and we were going out into the streets and began to preach that morning. And we got a call from the, uh, to the church and somebody was saying, asking if we would go see their neighbor. And so we agreed, and they gave us the address, and so we made our way down through the city and kind of ended up in this back alley, and it, we had to walk through, like, their garbage transportation, kind of like Rumpke. You had to walk through their maintenance parking lot, and then on the back side of that property, there was a big apartment complex. So we go back here. We're trying to find the person. Can't find them. The place is run down. Um, it looks like, you know, just a strong wind, and it would cave in. So we knock on one of the doors. We thought it was it. The person answered, and they said, no, this is the wrong house. They live up there. Well, they pointed kind of across the, the driveway there, and up on the third floor, there was an apartment complex. And I said, they're up there? And they said, yeah, they're, they're home. Go up there and see them. And so we go over, get to the stairwell, and I'm not kidding you. I'm not a heights person. I am deathly scared of heights. And so we get up there, there's no handrails, the steps, like half of them are missing, and it's suspended, and there's nothing to hold on to, and we're going about 30 feet up. And once you get up to the very top, there's no, there's just a ledge about this wide, and you had to walk around the outside of the building to get to the front door. And I'm very concerned. And so you can understand, I'm praying, God, what in the world am I supposed to do? So I, I'm standing there, my interpreter's with me and a couple other guys that we're close with, they're making fun of me and all this stuff. And I'm like, there's no way I can go up there. And they're like, you have to. They're like, you're the preacher, you gotta go. I said, you don't understand, I'm scared to death of heights. I said, this is not gonna work out. I'm a little bit over 200 pounds, this isn't gonna go well. So they're like, you'll be all right, just go on. I said, you don't understand. You guys might have to go get her and bring her down. And they said, no, you gotta go. So I'm standing there looking at him, and my interpreter looks at me, Mitch, and he goes, to the uttermost. And so we start climbing up the steps. I'm hands and knees all the way up the steps. And so they're, they're laughing at me, making fun of me, and they're like, Jason, don't fall. You're so big. If you fall, you'll crash the whole building. And so I get up there, 
and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, what are we doing here? What, you know, what am I supposed to do? I'm praying that she's home. But, you know, we go in there. She was saved, but her life was such a mess. She ended up, she was a lesbian. She's out of church. She's, you know, all these different things. And we go in there and we start counseling her and giving her counsel from the Lord and ministering to her. And she began to open her heart and her mind back open to Christ. And the Lord has corrected her path from where she was at. You know, if you would ask me that morning, do you think you'd be in that situation? No. But you know, that's why every single day we need to pray for God's wisdom. Because we're going to be in positions that we don't know what to do. And so missionaries need churches like you. It needs people like you that will pray and say, God, give them wisdom. So when things don't make sense, there are some days that we're down there and we feel like everything's going exactly the way that it needs to be. But then there's other days that we wake up and we're like, we don't even know where to begin. And we have to pray, God, give us wisdom and direct our steps today and show us what you want us to accomplish today. It goes on in um, James chapter 1, verse number 5. Um, you guys probably know the verse that says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally. You know, we need to pray. And God promises that if we ask for wisdom, that he would give it. And so it's commanded even that we should uh, walk in wisdom. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as what? Wise. You know, we need to walk in wisdom. Number two, he says that in supplication. In verse number um, six there, it says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is an earnest sharing of our needs or problems. You know, we're not, when we bow our heads to prayer, we understand who he is. We understand that, uh, you know, who God is, and we're going into an attitude and a, a mind and heart of worship. But we need to understand that when we bow our heads and pray, that we're not just rambling off a bunch of words just to kind of get credit. You know, the disciples started to grab a hold of this, and they were talking about prayer, and they said, they were talking to Jesus, and they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus began to uh, model, you know, what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. But when you pick that prayer apart, examine and think about what he was saying, number one, he started out with uh, giving God glory and worshiping um, our Heavenly Father, and then he went into individual specific needs. You know, the Lord doesn't want us just to ramble some prayer as a way of just, you know, checking it off that, oh yeah, we prayed today. When we enter into an attitude of prayer and worship, that we are laying out our requests, these specific requests that we're making them, make them known. Matthew chapter number six, verse number seven, it says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. You see, when we're praying, we're not just trying to use much speaking. We are seeking the Lord's blessing upon our life. And I'm challenging you as a church that when you pray, that you're asking for God's wisdom. But if you want to get real specific, I want to ask you to pray that God's power would be upon our life. You know, we can't accomplish things in our own life. Sarah and I have seen things in being in, this, um, in the country of Cuba. There are things that God has done through us that we could, there's no way we could do this in our own life, in our, in our own power. And we have to have God's wisdom, but we also have to walk in his power. 
we were down there just um, back in the summer, late summertime. And while we were down there, we were there with our family. And one night, uh, there was a thunderstorm that came up. And this happened about two days before we got there. Um, this, um, one of the families that we were there working with, uh, their daughter had a couple friends come over to the house. And so this, these three young teenage girls, about seventh, eighth grade, somewhere through there, uh, they were outside swimming in the backyard and a thunderstorm came in. If you guys have ever been on a tropical island that when thunderstorms come in, they come in very fast and they can get severe real quick. And so they were out there swimming. The mom went outside and, and yelled for them to come in. She said, there's a storm coming. You guys come into the house where it's safe. And so they got all their stuff, got all the pool, ran into the house. One of the girls forgot something. And she turned around and ran out to get whatever it was that she forgot. And as soon as she got out to the swimming pool, she was hit and killed by lightning. And the other two girls were sitting there watching out the window um, and seeing it all happen. Well, one of the girls that witnessed it, it just completely shook her up. You guys can understand. Emotionally a mess. We show up about two or three days later, and we start working there in the city. Um, preaching, doing these evangelism, and we preach uh, doing kind of like revival type services almost every single night. And so we go there, we start um, preaching. One of the kids in the church there invited this girl to come to church that night. She came, sat in the service, she never heard a gospel presentation at all. And she sat there that night, just emotionally a mess, crying through the whole sermon. That night, she walks forward and comes down front. We had 10 or 15 people there to get saved that night. I seen her come. She's just crying. So I kind of grab her, grab Sarah, and they go off to the side. The pastor's wife comes and helps interpret for Sarah. They start talking, and that girl gave her life to Christ that night. She said she never heard a clear presentation of how to get saved or who Jesus Christ was. She gave her life to Christ, and she went out the door that evening, and she was smiling. And I asked the pastor, and he said she comes almost all the time since this event took place. You see, I can't make this stuff up. And if you put me in that position in my own strength, my own uh, ability, what am I going to do? I need God's wisdom, and I need his power upon my life. And lastly, he says, with supplication. That supplication, it um, comes from the idea and the definition of giving thanks to God. You know, that just need, very simply needs to be a reminder that as God blesses us, that we should be thankful that he's using us. You know, the Bible talks about in Luke chapter 17, when Jesus healed the 10 lepers. You guys remember the story? It says that they went off, but it says that there was one that turned and gave thanks. I believe that a major part of our prayer life should be us giving thanks to God for what he's doing through us in our lives. Because let us remind ourselves tonight, no matter how many people get saved, no matter how many people get baptized, no matter how many churches or ministries are started, it's not us doing the work. It's him doing the work through us. And we need to be thankful that he is just able to use us for whatever type of part that we can see. You know, we're seeing unbelievable results. And it makes me a little bit nervous sometimes getting around other missionaries because, you know, last year we seen 2,000 people come to Christ uh, through the ministry there in, in Cuba. But not only that, we were there. Um, one major problem that they're seeing in Cuba is that there's a big 
vacuum in male leadership because of immigration. Many of them are leaving, going to Costa Rica or um, trying to get to Nicaragua so they can come to the United States. And, you know, the, a lot of them are trying to make their way up through Mexico and get to the American border. And so there's a big vacuum in, in male leadership. Many of the men are leaving their families behind, trying to get to a country where they can get stable, get money, and then they go back and get their family. And so it's very common Every trip that we go down there, it's like, well, what happened to this person? Well, they left. What happened to that person? They left. And so they were struggling for, you know, men to be surrendered to ministry. And they said, that said, we don't know what to do. So I prayed about it. We do something similar here um, for our GROW conference. And so it's just a ministry training and preaching and exposing people to ministry. And so I said, why don't we just do a men's conference and we'll challenge them through the word of God and, um, you know, see, see what happens. So we went down there for this week, preached every single night. And so they said, we don't have a clue how many people to expect. I said, well, even if we get four or five, we'll just preach and do whatever. We go there the first night and they had over 100 men there in the, in the auditorium there that night. And that, that was some of that group there on the video. And so we were there, we started preaching, um, just trying to teach them how to hear God speak, how to know if God's calling you, you know, where do you begin getting active in your local church, all these basic things. And there by the end of the week, we had 17 men who had surrendered their life uh, to go into full-time ministry, whether it would be a pastor or to be a missionary. And they can be a missionary just by going to a different part of the island and starting a church and then going on to start other churches. Or there are a few small handfuls of churches or countries where they can relocate and go to a different country, Spain and a few other places like that. But not only that, we had like 55 men that just surrendered their life along with this, that said, we know that God's not calling us right now for full-time ministry, but they surrendered their life to just go and be a help to their pastor in their church, overseeing ministries, overseeing discipleship, trying to just raise their family in church, and just being a faithful family in the church that if the pastor needs somebody, he can call that family and know that they're there to help. And so we're seeing all these results taking place. And so we're trying to raise our money on deputation. Um, it might take us a little longer than a normal missionary because we're going to continue to go in and out. We're scheduling meetings and churches and all this type of stuff. And so we're just trying to go down as quick as we can um, and spend time there and come back and be in churches and raise funds and go back and all that type of stuff. So I would just ask that you guys would pray. But I want to challenge you tonight. Many of you might already be praying for your, your missionaries. So I want to, if you're not already praying, I want you to make a commitment, not to me, but you make a commitment to the Lord that you're going to pray for the missionaries that are represented here at Lighthouse Baptist, that you would pray that God gives them wisdom, that they would walk in the power of God, and that God would continually give them fruit. Pray for those areas. And then if you're not already investing and um, giving to what your church has already tried to accomplish, let me encourage you. Start giving because you're not giving it to the church. You're not giving it to the preacher. Um, our pastor that trained me, Pastor Charles Smith, he always said this. He said, any church that teaches that you're just giving the money to the church is teaching wrongly. He said, when you give your money to, um, to a church, he said, you're not giving it to that church. 
he always said, that church is the local office of the home bank in heaven. And he would say that when you give, you're giving your money to God. And that God is using that money to spread the gospel. You see, when you're given to missionaries, you're actively given in mission work. You're not giving it to us to live, you know, a really fancy life. You're giving it so that we can go and preach the gospel and people can get saved, people can get baptized, and that God can completely change your life and we can get churches started and evangelize the country of Cuba.